Bibles and turn to John chapter 4 this morning. John chapter 4, please. If you're a guest with us, we've been working through the book of John Sunday mornings at 11, and, and we find ourselves in chapter 4. Still, we've been here a couple of weeks in chapter 4, and we'll probably be a couple more. Um, but we're working our way verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the Gospel of John. And our text this morning is going to be verses 27 to 42. It's still a continuation of where we started last week with the woman at the well and Jesus' encounter with her. And this is a continuation of that because, and also there's um, a lap over with Jesus teaching his disciples in here as well. And so we're just going to take this section, verses 27 to 42, as our text. You follow along as I read. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did, is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor, other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. I want to preach to you this morning on this thought, this subject, Come See a Man. That's the title of the message. And I use that on purpose because the whole point or theme of the message here this morning is really going to be about our personal witness for Jesus Christ. And the woman at the well went to the city and told the people, come see a man. I don't know about you. I think I probably know some about you because uh, we're all human. We're all people. Uh, but most people, if, if you're like me, you, you struggle at being an effective, faithful witness for Jesus Christ. Um, you can read books, you can pray, you can take classes on evangelism, 
And you can do all that you can possibly do and still often fail at being a good witness for Jesus Christ. Um, many times, uh, there are times when I've had a chance, an opportunity to witness to somebody, and later on, as I'm thinking about it, it comes to my head like, oh, I should have said that. I should have said this. And sometimes you can feel like a failure uh, uh, because you didn't think of something at the time and so on. And all of those maybe are human fleshly tendencies. Those are things uh, that in our flesh we're going to fail at. The reality of it is, though, that God will use us if we're simply willing to be used of Him. God will use us. God will use any and all that we have uh, if we're simply willing to trust Him and for Him to use us in that, re- in that way. And our text gives us some help in being the kind of witness that God uses from a very unlikely source. He used this woman, this woman that he met at the well, to eventually bring pretty much her entire city to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And many, the Bible says, many were saved. Many believed on Him because of her word, but also because of the word of the Lord Jesus. But those who believed on the Lord from His word were also exposed to Him because of her. This one single woman. This woman was a pretty unlikely source. A woman who is, number one, a brand new convert. She had just been saved, converted to Christ, and her life changed. She doesn't know much in the way of sound doctrine. She's not had training courses in sharing how to share her faith and so on. And yet, she effectively evangelizes her entire village for Christ. It's a remarkable story. When Jesus tells her that he is the Messiah, back in verse 26, in verse 26, Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. When Jesus tells her that he is the Christ, she believed on him, her life was changed, she gets so excited about what she's just discovered and what she's just believed that the Bible says she left her water pot, she goes back to her village and she tells the men, come see a man who told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? As a result of her witness, they streamed out of the city to come and meet Jesus. They eventually invited him to stay with them. He spent two whole days there with them. During that time, many more Samaritans came to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the end of all of that, these Samaritan people who were outcasts in the minds of Jews came to this proclamation. In verse 42, they said, at the end of verse 42, we've heard him ourselves We know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. What a a wonderful, wonderful statement. And all because the Lord used this one woman. Now some people question whether or not this woman really got saved. I've read that. I believe that she did. And I think the evidence is the fact that she immediately begins to tell others about Jesus Christ, resulting in their believing on Him as well. We're going to learn three things this morning as we walk through this passage again. We're going to learn, number one, that God uses the witness of those who are excited about Jesus Christ. 
Number two, God uses the witness of those who have a harvest mindset. And then thirdly, God uses the witness of those who simply invite others to come see Him. Let's pray and then we'll begin. Lord, I pray that you'd use your word here to challenge us today. Lord, to remind us that the reason that we exist as Christians, as saints of God, is to bring glory to the Lord, to obey His will, that this life that you have granted us is not for our own personal pleasure or gain, but Lord, you've granted us life that we could invest in the work of the Lord for eternity. And Lord, to have and cultivate that kind of a mindset, that kind of thinking. Lord, I pray that you'd challenge us with your word today. And even for those who do not know you as their Savior, Lord, would you use your word to draw them to Christ as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Consider, first of all, with me here, verses 27 to 30. And our first principle or thought is that God uses the witness of those who are excited about the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done in their own life. In verse 27, follow along again, we'll read down through verse 30. The Bible says, And upon this came His disciples and marveled that He talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. According to the word of God here, just as or after Jesus told this woman that he was the Messiah, the Bible says that the disciples returned from the village uh, with the food that they had, had bought for their lunch. And so they went away into the village. Jesus meets with the woman at the well. The disciples, upon this, the Bible says, came back to meet with Jesus. Verse 27 tells us that the disciples marveled that he had been speaking with this woman. Do you see that there? Upon this came the disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Their amazement that Jesus was talking with this Samaritan woman stemmed from two sources. First of all, because of their cultural conditioning, and we'll talk about that in a second, but secondly, they marveled and amazed that Jesus talked with this woman because they didn't understand Jesus' mission. They were completely about something else. The cultural conditioning uh, caused them to be amazed that Jesus would speak with her. Culturally, it was taboo for a Jewish man to speak with a Samaritan, much less a Samaritan woman. Now, some in Jesus' day, some of the Jewish leaders, not all of them, but some of the Jewish leaders taught that at best, it was a waste of time to talk with a woman, even your own wife. I'm not making that up. And I'm just going to make a side note here, not really part of the message, but I'm just going to make a side note here. I think it's pretty sad when Christian men still do the exact same thing today. Act like it's a waste of time to talk with a lady, with a woman, or even their wife. Some men treat their wife like she's a doormat. And some 
because they're in love with themselves and with their own ego, have no sense of how valuable their wife actually is, or they feel like what she has to say is of no value to them at all. And I think that's a terrible, terrible shame. Mm -hmm. We're probably going to touch on some of this uh, at family camp this next week uh, to begin to examine what the Word of God has to say about relationships and so on. And again, it's not really part of the message. But these men marveled that Jesus talked with her because of their cultural prejudices, because of their cultural conditioning. Some Jewish leaders taught that Samaritan women were perpetually unclean. And that's the reason the disciples were amazed to find that Jesus was speaking with this Samaritan woman at the well. Secondly, they were amazed because they didn't understand Jesus' mission. If they had an, an, any kind of understanding of, of Jesus' mission, there would have been no question as to why he was speaking with her. They believed him to be the Messiah, yes, but they were still all about him being a conquering king and delivering them from Rome. They didn't understand that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, I just make one application with this quickly. I was, as I was studying this, I came across one commentary that was actually pretty helpful uh, to give some insight into verse 27. And this commentator said, he says that if the disciples marveled that Jesus spoke with a sinner like this Samaritan woman, they actually should have looked at themselves and marveled too. None of us are any more worthy of heaven than this sinful woman was. But I think all too often we look at people in the world like that. As if somehow we're special. God saved me and God got some kind of a bargain, you know, and some deal when he saved me. And sometimes we will look at people and we will examine people and we'll look them up and down and we'll make some sort of a determination in our mind whether or not they're worthy to hear the gospel or not. These disciples of the Lord marveled that he talked with her because they thought themselves to be uh, more valuable or special to God than she was. They didn't understand his mission, and they really should have had the mindset that, you know what, it's a marvel that God would even deal with me too. Second thing that this commentator said that I thought was helpful was the fact that they didn't question Jesus Christ, because the Bible says here that no man asked him, Why, what are you talking to her about? Or asked her, what do you want from him? The fact that they didn't question Jesus Christ to teach us that if anything in God's word is disagreeable or puzzling to us, rather than murmuring against the Lord or disregarding it or minimizing it, we ought to sit in silence and wait until the Lord reveals to us more clear, clearly what his word is, because God is always right. God's word is always right. It's not okay. Listen, it's not okay for, with, with God. <coughs> Excuse me. To, because I don't see it that way, to disregard God's truth. But so often people do that with the Word of God. 
well, I don't really see it that way, and so, you know what, I'm not going to obey that. I'm not going to have that as a part of my life. I could take you uh, to several places in the Word of God where, where Christian people say, well, I'm not going to have that as a standard for my life because I just don't see it that way. Listen, God is always right. If something is puzzling or something is not agreeable in the Word of God, it's not because it's not true, it's because of a, a, a problem in our own heart. And we ought to have the mind and the heart of humility that God is always right, and I need to submit to the Lord, and Lord, would you show me this more clearly, please? Let's look at verses 28 to 30. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Here's where we get to our point. Now God will use people who are simply excited about what the Lord has done for them in their life. John doesn't tell us exactly why this woman left her water pot. But, it, but, but I think that she was probably so excited about what the Lord had just done for her that she couldn't wait to get back to her village and tell people about how God had changed her life. She wanted her people to meet this one who told her all things that ever she did. He's here. It's the Messiah. It's the Christ. And in a moment, she had her life changed. And so she rushes back to her village to tell anybody who would listen about this amazing encounter that she had with God himself, the man who uncovered her past. And the thing that had occupied her coming to get water, she forgot all about. Now there was something more important. She wanted others to know what had just had happened to her in her life, and then to meet him too. And I, I think that we, we need to understand that in that culture, the testimony of a woman, much less a woman of ill repute, would have been disregarded. In the Jewish culture, they would not accept the testimony of a woman in court. This woman obviously had a reputation in her own city, which is probably why she went out to get water at noon and not in the morning with the other women. And yet, even with all of that against her, she still was an effective witness for Christ. They listened to her and they responded to her invitation. They came out to meet Jesus themselves. And it seems that the reason she left her water pot there was because she was so excited about what the Lord had done in her life. I think that's the reason that she was willing to bring up her sinful past and exuberantly tell people about the one who told her all that she had ever done in her life. I think the people who knew her saw a change in her. And her excitement about Jesus Christ was evident. You know, in, in sales, they say that the most successful salesmen are those who are excited about their product. They speak with conviction about their product if they really believe in it. And if a, if a salesman is apathetic about his product, a person's probably not likely to buy whatever he's trying to sell. But if that product has changed his life and he wants others to experience it as well, he speaks with conviction about it. And I say that and use that as an illustration because, listen, here's the truth. We have something so much greater than a product to sell. 
We possess salvation in Jesus Christ that truly changes a life. And so here's a woman who, who didn't have much in the way of Bible knowledge. She didn't have much in the way of reputation, but she did have a life-changing experience that she could testify about. And so that's what she did. And here's the point. God will use your witness, friend. If you've had a genuine encounter with the Lord that has changed your life and you're truly born again, you're excited about what God has done in your life. Listen, God will use that. And listen, how could you not be excited? How could you not be excited about what the Lord has done? Listen, I don't, I don't know much, but I know what I was before the Lord saved me. And I know what He did in my life. He made me a new creature. And what I am today, it may not be much, but it's all by the grace of God. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am not the same person I used to be. He changed my life. And God will use that. You know, how would God use that? Well, you just never know. In daily encounters, just being able to share your testimony of what God has done in your life, God can use. I don't know if that, I don't know if, I don't know if this is touching anybody. It would, be a, it would be a sad, sad thing if God's people were sitting under the sound of the word of God this morning, completely unaffected. A terrible, sad thing. And maybe a reflection. Listen, listen, right here, right here. Maybe a reflection of where you're at spiritually in your life. How could you not be excited about what God has done to change your life? Listen, we got daily opportunities to share what Christ has done. Just last week when I was preaching the missions conference in Missouri, I got the chance to go out and play golf with Brother Wyatt one day, which was great fun. But I couldn't escape the fact that, yes, I was going to spend time with Brother Wyatt. We were going to play golf together. But maybe there's opportunity today to tell someone about the Lord. We get to the golf course, and which was interesting. I'd just been preaching on that the night before and challenging people with that responsibility the night before and I need to be challenged myself we get to the golf course and it's just the two of us then all of a sudden as we're waiting to get on uh, the first tee there's two guys who come up and they said can we join in your group and I immediately thought absolutely you can and the Lord convicted me you need to witness to them Come to find out later on, Brother Wyatt was thinking the exact same thing. As we are playing through our round of golf, naturally conversation starts, and, and one of the, the guys, his name was Richard, he said, so, so where, uh, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a pastor. And he's like, oh, where do you live? I said, I live in Alaska. And he's like, you live in Alaska? And that started this whole other conversation that really made a connection. And then he's like, what in the world are you doing here? I said, well, I'm here preaching a conference. He's like, you came all the way to St. Louis to preach a conference? Couldn't you, like, Zoom your conference or something like that? 
I said, well, I suppose you probably could, but there's nothing like face-to-face -face conversation like we're having right now. And he's like, well, how did you, how, what made you, what made you to, to decide to be a pastor? And instantly the door was open. And I told him, I said, let me tell you how God changed my life when I was 19 years old. Changed me so much that I've never been the same ever since. Not only did he save me, make me right with God, wash away my sin, but then he gave me purpose in life to tell others about him. I said to Richard, I said, the fact that you and I are talking today is not an accident. It's a divine appointment because this is my purpose in life to tell others about Him. And I'm sharing with you what God has done in my life and He can do the same for you. I think that sort of messed his golf game up after that. <laughs> he didn't play so well after that. What I'm saying is, God will use anybody who's simply excited to tell how God has changed their life. This woman was an unlikely source but God did something for her that was so impactful and meaningful, she had to tell other people about it. And as a result, the Bible says in, in verse 30, that they went out of the city and came unto Him. And my point is, God will use you if you simply tell others about what He's done for you. But how could you not be excited about what He's done in your life? Amen? And I would say this before we move on here this morning. If you're not excited about Christ, if you've lost something, you need to figure out why. You need to really figure out why. If you can sit here this morning and it's not of interest to you, you need to figure out why. There's something wrong in your own spiritual life. Because God doesn't, God doesn't do anything half-heartedly. Amen? When He saves a soul, He saves it and changes it completely. And your life is meaningless, friend. It is meaningless if you are not fulfilling the purpose for which God saved you. You're going to waste your life in the pursuit of things that will never last. And what are you going to have to show for it, friend? Let's move on. Verse 31. Here's the second thought. God uses the witness of those who have a harvest mindset. Verse 31, In the meanwhile, His disciples prayed Him, saying, Master, eat. But He said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto him, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. 
verses 31 to 38 here are sort of like a meanwhile back at the well type scene. So get the picture here. She leaves her water pot. She runs into the, to the, to the city to tell people to come and see this man. And in the meanwhile, back at the well, you understand that? Jesus starts to deal with his disciples. And he starts to deal with this second reason why the disciples were amazed that Jesus was talking with this woman. And that was that they were clueless about the mission of Jesus Christ. So the disciples, they went into the town to buy some food. They come back with their Big Mac and fries for Jesus, and he's not interested in eating. And they urge him to eat. But he tells them in verse 32, look at it, he says in verse 32, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And they don't get it. They don't understand it. So they wonder among themselves in verse 33, did anybody bring him something to eat? Now, think about this. They went away into the city to buy food. At the same time, that woman is coming out to the well. What are the chances that they probably passed this woman on their way into the town to buy food? If they did, they probably went way out of their way around her to not talk to her because they thought Samaritans were lesser people. Surely they didn't speak to her. And now they come back to find that Jesus is talking with her, much to their surprise. And so, at this point, they see that Jesus is talking with her, and then she all of a sudden leaves and runs back into the town. And so she leaves, and what does Jesus do? Jesus begins to teach his disciples. In verse 35, well, verse 34, he said to them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And then in verse 35, he says, Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the harvest, on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. I want you to notice Jesus' words in verse 35. So Jesus takes this moment to start to teach his disciples about what they should be focused on. And he says in verse 35, You say there's four months and then comes harvest. Your mindset is something like, well, we've got time, or some other time we'll deal with this. But Jesus says, no, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. He says the harvest time is now. Now listen, I wonder if right as Jesus says, lift up your eyes and look on the field, I wonder if just then the people who were coming out of the city because of the witness of the woman were all of a sudden coming into view. And Jesus says, lift up your eyes and look. The field is white unto harvest. What Jesus is saying in verse 35 is actually a rebuke to the disciples. Because where they were just at to buy food was a mission field, but they didn't see it and they didn't get it. Their focus was all wrong. The disciples needed to develop a harvest mindset. 
And what I mean by that is they needed to start to think in terms of what is my mission and what is my purpose. They needed to understand what God was doing in this situation. You know what? I've been like the clueless disciples many times, too focused on the temporal in this life when I should have been aware and awake to what God was doing spiritually. We need to develop a harvest mindset. What does a harvest mindset look like? What does it produce? Do you have it? Well, first of all, a harvest mindset is a mindset that puts the will of God and His work above everything else. The disciples were focused on eating lunch. Jesus was focused on doing the Father's will and accomplishing His work, the thing that He was sent to do. We don't know whether Jesus got his drink of water. We don't know whether Jesus ever ate the lunch that the disciples brought back. But what we do know is that he saw an entire village of Samaritans come to faith in him, and they discovered that he is the Savior of the world. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Food and drink were secondary. Reaching the lost was primary. And my friend, that is exactly how we need to be thinking in our life as well. So often we're like the disciples. We're focused on the temporal, but completely clueless as to the spiritual and the eternal. I think we can do that. Listen, pay attention. Wake up. We can do that in our daily life. You know, you're on the job. Why are you there? Well, I've got to make some money so I can pay my bills, make my mortgage payment and all of those things. No, that's actually not why you're there. It's part of it to keep body and soul together. But our mindset ought to be, this is a mission field. I have a sphere of influence here that nobody else has. You know what? There's a person at work who grates on you with their obnoxious behavior, their obnoxious personality. You avoid that person at all costs. You tell other people how annoying they are. You tell your boss how annoying they are. And what have you just done? You've put your personal comfort above the work of the Lord. I remember to my shame very clearly at times how I responded during COVID with the whole mask COVID thing, there were times I did not respond very well. And in those moments, I would have ruined my testimony or ruined my opportunity to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I remember feeling so convicted about that. That the way I just responded to that person, if I had a chance to tell them about the love of God and how He changed my life, it would have meant absolutely nothing. Because I put my own personal comfort in front of the fact that that is a soul for which Christ died. Is this, is this resonating this morning? What kind of a mindset we need to have? A harvest mindset puts the will and the work of God above everything else. I'm not here to live my life for me. I'm here to fulfill the work of the Lord. That's why He's given me life today. 
You know what? Your work might be your children, moms. The Lord blessed you with children not to bring you comfort or to bring you joy. The Lord blessed you with children, but it's your job to win them to Christ. Is that a primary thing in your life? Their soul? It ought to be. A harvest mindset, secondly, focuses on sowing and reaping. We could read in verses 35 to 38 how Jesus basically told the disciples that we're to enter into labor and you get to reap sometimes where other people labored, but sometimes your job is just to sow and other people are going to reap there. And Jesus reveals to them and helps them to see that, listen, a harvest could be, a harvest may be ready in any situation where you would never expect it. Jesus said, lift up your eyes. Look on the harvest. It's in the field. It's white already to harvest. The harvest may be ready in situations where you would never expect it. The well became a place of opportunity. And what I'm simply saying is your daily life is a place of opportunity. The Samaritan woman was an unlikely prospect for evangelism, if there ever was one. She wasn't interested in spiritual things initially, but then Jesus turned the conversation in that direction, and her life was changed. She had all kinds of mixed-up ideas. She was an immoral person. She wasn't a key person, not a potential leader like others might be. And yet, the Lord used her and reaped an entire harvest with her whole village. And what I'm saying is, you never know how God will use your witness with someone that you might think is an unlikely prospect for the gospel. Like I said, so often we look people up and down. Sometimes we keep our distance from people like the disciples did with this woman. But she proved to be the key to reaching that entire village. I think that's the problem with us sometimes. We look at people and we decide whether they look like they will listen. That's not our job. We've simply been commanded to sow the seed to every creature. And when we do, there's a great reward. Jesus says in verse 36, look at it. Verse 36, He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. You know what? Earthly wages, the things you gain in this life are of no value when you die. But wages that pay rewards for eternity those are the ones that are worth working for. Amen? A billionaire on his deathbed who's not laid up treasure in heaven, who's not rich toward God, is a fool, according to Luke chapter 12. But the one who has a harvest mindset, who understands what his purpose is, who labors for souls, man, he's the one who's storing up eternal treasure. But you know what? In order to reap a harvest, the seed's got to be sown. Doesn't it? 
Verse 37 says, Herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that where you bestowed no labor, other men labored and ye are entered into their labors. If you're ever going to reap a harvest, the seed has got to be sown. There's no reaping without prior sowing. And I think sometimes we forget this. People say, well, how come, how come we're not having people saved? How come we're not seeing people saved? Maybe the simple answer is because the seed's not being sown. At the very least, we ought to be asking the Lord for opportunities. Make a list of those who don't know Christ, with whom you have regular contact. Pray for their salvation. Ask God for the opportunity to talk to them about the Lord. To reap a harvest, you got to sow the seed. I'll close up here. Let me just give you something that J.C. Ryle said. He said, let it be noted that in doing the work for Christ and laboring for souls, there are sowers as well as reapers. The work of the reaper makes far more show than the work of the sower. Yet it is perfectly clear that if there was no sowing, there would be no reaping. It is of great importance to remember this. We are often disposed to give an excessive honor to Christ's reapers and to overlook the laborer. The, the labor of Christ's sowers. Listen, we've been called to sow the seed. Adoniram Judson labored his entire lifetime in Burma with a lot of hardship, many disappointments, and very little visible fruit in terms of converts. And yet it is said that today there's over a million Christians in Burma who could trace their roots back to Adoniram Judson's labors. And the point is, is that the sowing is not in vain. Little is much when God is in it. Our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Sow the seed. And pray that the Lord of the harvest would bring it in. Amen. God uses a witness who's excited about what God has done in their life. God will use the one who's got a harvest mindset. Our thinking needs to be converted, needs to be changed. And then thirdly, God uses the one who will simply invite others to come to Him. If you read in verses 39 to 42, verse 39 says, Many of the Samaritans of that city believed on Him for the saying of the woman, which testified, He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto Him, they besought Him that He would tarry with them, and He abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this indeed, this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. I think it's notable that it seems like this woman told everybody that she could possibly tell. In so doing, she partnered with Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in verse 39 that people believed because of her word. But then in verse 42, the Bible tells us that others believed because of Jesus' words. But these ones who believed because of Jesus' words were exposed to Jesus because of her witness. And after spending two days with Jesus, 
the Samaritans came to know that Jesus indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. He's not only the Savior of the Jews, but He's also the Savior of any person, any nationality who would believe on Him. That He is a Savior means that people are lost and need to be saved. They don't need some helpful hints for happy living. They don't need to know how God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. They need to be raised from the dead and given eternal life. Amen? This woman invited her village. Come see a man. They went. They saw Jesus. They believed in him. And then the the Bible tells us that many more believed because of the Lord's words. And I would simply say this to you as we close this morning. This is God's invitation to you. Come. Come. Are you burdened with sin? Come. Are you thirsty for the water of life? Come. Jesus gives living water freely to the unworthy sinner like he did to this Samaritan woman who asked him for it. But then beyond that, he gave her purpose in life. And I would simply say to you this morning, God will use your life if you come to him. God will change your life if you come to him. If you're saved and you know the Lord, God will use your life if you simply invite people to come to him. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. I'm going to ask you a question, maybe two, as this invitation starts. Have you lost your excitement about what the Lord has done in your life? If you have, you need to get it back. Or, Maybe you've never really been excited because the Lord has never really changed your life. Listen, we can get so consumed with temporal things that we do lose sight. But I don't think that the Spirit of God lets a Christian go on and on in that kind of a life without bringing to their mind and their heart. Listen, what do you what do you live in your life for? You're working, you're toiling to 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 heap to yourselves treasures so that you can feel comfortable in this life. It's all a waste because you can't take it with you when you die. It's not wrong to have things. It's not wrong to make money. It's not wrong for any of those things, but those things should never be more important than the work of God. I'm here, I have to work, I keep body and soul together, but my purpose in life is to tell others to come see a man. I guess the question is, are you working at cultivating a harvest mindset? Realizing Lord, you've given me life today. 
This life you've given me today, though, is not to be lived for myself. Lord, use me today to make a difference in someone's life for all eternity. Help me to sow the seed. I've kept you a long time. But I think God's word is pretty clear. Let the Lord and his word impact your heart today. Let's all stand together, please. Heads bowed and eyes closed.